Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of Picture Perfect. I'm your host, Bobby Gross, and this is a big episode this week. I'm so happy to have my guest on, Chance Ellison from the Movie Trivia Schmodown. Uh, dude, welcome to the show. So happy to have you on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year. Yes, of course. And then um, you also have your podcast, too, Notorious by Chance. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. How is that going for you right now? It's going really well. I mean, we're in, um, we're in the summer. We have our anniversary series going. That's, that's all year. This is a blockbuster summer. We're uh, This month, we're doing a 90s blockbuster. That got pushed back to next week because we're trying to secure a guest for Jurassic Park. Uh, but in order to supplement that this week, we this morning, actually, we dropped our an episode on The Fast and the Furious. We did, awesome. we needed we need a quick a quick sub and we and we thought you know what let's 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 start there let's be a little thematic and that that was a fun show uh, just to go and break down that movie because wow it's it's come that's friends come a long way yeah the first one right mm-hmm. yeah it's it's crazy because next week we'll also be reviewing uh, the newest F nine with uh, JTE is coming on the show oh nice and um, I really haven't been watching any of the fast movies before so I just started watching the franchise and. Boy, I, think I, I think I watched them all before six came out or f- seven. I watched Be- them all at one point. Yeah, because f- five was I, like it kind of rejuvenated the franchise. It took it into five, a whole new level. Five was the game changer. And yeah, that's still the best movie in that franchise. But uh, and your and your it. podcast, it's it's available on YouTube and uh, it's, everywhere. It's not, like, it's not on YouTube. We have our own YouTube channel where we do other contents. Okay, uh, which we've been a little cold on that lately, just because I've, I've been really busy, but. Uh, we have our, like our YouTube is basically for our exclusive video content. Our podcasts are exclusively audio, and now wherever podcasts are found, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor, which is our distributor, all the all that all that good stuff. And yeah, the, anywhere podcasts are found, you can find it by chance. Yeah, all those uh, links will be in the description. I'll put them in the uh, description just so you guys can check it out. And um, really, what I was worried about because I've been trying to book guests like a month in advance just to give them enough time because specifically with you guys in the schmodown, I know it's so crazy with the shoot schedule and the studying. So just for people that aren't really familiar with the movie <coughs> trivia schmodown, how, how would you pitch the show? Because I've, <laughs> I've been watching for at least six years now, almost like season two of the schmodown. And it's just been such a ride and it's gone from, you know, a little studio show to this huge thing. And you, you've been such a, a big influence on the game. So just a uh, TLDR. What, what is the movie trivia schmodown? Uh, it's the most intense movie trivia competition you will see on anywhere. I think uh, it's basically a mix. Of, it's the theatrics of WWE featuring the competitive nature of UFC. And yeah, it's, it's really, it's really fun. Uh, you have all sorts of really cool, really fun personalities. There's storylines, there's factions. It's, 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 it's a whole to do and it's really enjoyable. Yeah. It's, it's so much fun to watch. And you guys, I mean, the live events are coming back, which is great. I yeah, can't which wait I'm, for which that. I'm really excited. I'm so excited to get back to touring. Cause I I'm, I'm in Jersey right now. So I'll definitely <laughs> be going to that uh, October show, which, yeah. you know, it's going to be so much fun. And even the spectacular, I believe Christian just announced December 4th. It, that's, or it's December 6th, something like that. That Saturday, the first Saturday in December. Uh, yeah. The Schmodown spectacular. So fingers crossed, I'll be flying out to that uh, because never been to LA, but that's oh, yeah. like the biggest show to go to. And I think it's going to be a wild time. Um, and ironically enough, you're on the, the stable corruption, which my buddy Adam Collins is on. And um, man, he he's a character. I've known him since the Manhattan show, ironically, from the Mark Ellis stand up. 
we met there before he even got into the schmodown and just to see how he's come in, in the schmodown his run last year and what you guys are doing on corruption right now and ironically enough adam collins will be on the show next month so stay tuned for that um but chance what we do on the show is we usually like to open it up with a couple of uh, things that we've been watching, movies or television. Um, I know with the Schmodown, it's a little bit tricky because, you know, competitors like to watch each other. You know, if an opponent is on a show, they'll they'll go and watch, you know, their opponent on a sh- certain show, see if they're watching anything. Um, so anything, I know if, if you have anything at all that you would like to disclose as what you've been watching, uh, feel free to do so. I mean, I, I, my letterbox, my letterbox is probably looking at. I log most things I watch. Keep them, keep myself. But like anything I log, I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable saying I've been watching. So besides Fast and Furious, uh, oh, I, what was the last thing I logged? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, uh, but I, you know, watched this thing recently. Had revisited in a while. I really, I forgot how much I really love that movie. Uh, that, that's that's uh, the I watched recently. Robert Newman and uh, or Paul Newman and uh, Robert Redford, Robert Redford classic yeah. movie. I haven't. Uh, I've I never watched it. Oh, that movie is that. You know what? You should watch Butch Cassidy first, just because that was their first. That was the first collab together, and then and then watch the Sting. See, I, I actually recently watched Butch, Cass- Butch Cassidy for the first time, and I don't know. I, I appreciated it more than I liked it. Um, because I know a lot of people like that's one of the all time classics. Like AFI Absolutely. has it on their list, and but just for some reason I thought it was a little too slow. But I love both actors. I mean Robert Redford from All the President's Men, um, Paul Newman, you know the Hustler. Like he, so many classic movies from these guys. That one uh, I didn't dig, but I've been meaning to watch this thing. That's like the, the all time the, 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 the thing I personally like more than Butch Cassidy. Uh, been watching. I, I do make time for TV, but mostly because like a lot of shows I watch right now are weekly. Like I'm, I'm really digging Loki. Oh my Disney god! Plus. Yeah, yeah. It's Loki it's so much really fun. Well it it really is. And I think it's 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 getting it's getting to points a lot quicker than I than I anticipated. Than I realized. Oh wait, yeah, there's only six episodes as opposed to like yeah, as opposed to like you know thirteen or ten or whatever. So I'm like okay, so like it, it, it's moving, which I really appreciate. The thing um, that I'm worried about with Loki is because I feel like with WandaVision, it started so strong. It was completely different from all the Marvel stuff that we had seen before. It's just a different kind of formula from what the movies are. But then towards the end, it kind of got Marvel-y for me. Like, it just kind of just fit into what we've, we've typically seen. I just hope that doesn't happen with Loki. Well, I think a problem with just, just TV in general is that it's, it's hard to end a season. Like yeah. for a lot, it's for a lot of television shows. The week, like the, the finale of the show is, it's not very often that it's the best episode of the show. Mm-hmm. Like you know, WandaVision ran the problem where the finale felt kind of flat, even though I enjoyed it. Yeah. Falcon Winter Soldier definitely had that problem where the where the ending was not as good as the lead up, even though there are parts of the ending I do like and do like the show as a whole. Yeah. The ending fell a little flat, but I do think that I do hope Loki sticks the landing because they, Marvel shows yet to do that. Yeah, and hopefully uh, in the building plans right now, I don't know, maybe we'll do a special episode uh, for Loki to wrap things up. But the thing that you made a great point with um, the finales of these shows is because personally, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Kevin Feige to uh, have these plans to where if these shows actually are one season or they're multiple seasons, because for Falcon Winter Soldier, I felt like, yes, definitely, I would totally see a season two for that. 
because it ends. Well, but, with, but that's why they're that's why they're doing the movie. Like they're doing another Captain America movie after the show. So that's that's going to be the that's going to be the continuation of that. There are certain shows that I think are kind of tailor made to be one season, like WandaVision, probably better season yeah. than one season. Loki, depending on where it ends off, could continue in a second season if they really wanted to. And especially because I think they put out, they didn't put out specific numbers, but they did say like this, the the first episode of Loki was the highest viewed of all of the Marvel shows, which kind of makes old, sense. Old. I mean, make, yeah, it makes sense because of the characters that got in the show so far, he's easily the biggest draw. Yeah, and it's definitely, I would be curious. I mean, they would never say the numbers from the first episode to the second episode, but that first one is just so subversive. Uh, kind of like the first episode of WandaVision, you either have to buy in immediately or you're kind of out. And especially for the casual MCU fan, how would they react to that first episode to where, okay, we saw Loki die in Endgame but, or Infinity War, but it's like he's back, but there's also a vision in Endgame. Is this the Endgame? Like the timeline is a little tricky if you're not fully paying attention to it. Exactly, but I feel like they built up that equity and they built up that goodwill to the point where they can they can you know take massive swings like this and and almost like not they take massive swings and not worry about you know cattle fan because like they they built their core so strong and put the foundation so strong and they're basically a point where they can do anything. Yeah, if if you really think about it. you like look at some of the things they got lined up, freaking Shang Chi, Eternals, like all all these all these other weirdos who are getting movies. It's I, getting I think, so big right now. Oh yeah, and I and I really applaud. Like some of my some of my favorite Marvel movies are, are where they flex their "I can do whatever I want" muscles. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, I think is Absolutely. one of the best comic movies, comic movies of all time. I love that film. Uh, I think I think Ant Man the Ant Man is like super weird, super fun. Um, yeah. I think Doctor Strange Multiverse Madness looks really exciting, just because it could be like really like weird. Strange. I just I just I think that you know people talk about comic fatigue, fatigue all the time. I think that if we keep getting things that are new and different and like exciting in that way, I don't think that's that's a factor. I think Marvel's finding a way to do that both on and, and the big screen and on streaming. Yeah, I think it's all about the balance because yeah. I feel like with the DC stuff, it's just so out there. Like every, it seems like every movie is kind of like its own thing. Marvel yeah. sometimes those movies and towards the end of the the television shows so far, it kind of follows a formula but it's different enough to where you can uh, you can pick things out that are uh different from anything that you know from a guardians movie it's going to be different from an ant-man movie an ant-man movie is going to be different from a captain america movie um so yeah and then we have black widow in a few weeks and i'm wondering what what the balance is there because it's a prequel but I mean, there's just I'm not watching a lot of the trailers because I don't want to know what's going on with the plot. But it seems like this is going to be the swan song for uh, Natasha. But then we have her sister played by Florence Pugh. Does she enter the the universe now as a, as the Black Widow replacement? She she's slated to come back somewhere. I forgot where, but she, I think she, I think she's slated to come back in the Hawkeye show. Okay, so so she's like she's that could they want her to be a bigger part of that universe and like get kind of like Yelena Belova in the comics where she after Natasha Romanoff died she she filled in the Black Widow Black Widow mantle uh so I think they're trying to you know they're really trying to lay the foundation for like the future of this friend it's kind of like when like when you like I don't know if you're into sports or at all like when you oh, for sure. yeah like when you like when you draft like young talent 
even though you have like 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 say when like the Packers after Aaron Rodgers, mm. like they still have they still have Brett Favre, but you know you like you get, you're, you're grooming Rodgers for the future, and now well then the future's in a little bit of. You don't know where that's. We don't know that future's going. But well, they did the same while. thing with Rodgers to Favre. They drafted Jordan Love, and now you know there's a big tension there. Yeah, and that, that's well, kind of deserved for a lot of reasons. But yeah. this, ain't, this ain't sports. This ain't sports talk. This is movie talk. But uh, <laughs> I do think that I, I think Marvel is finding a way to keep things keep things fresh, keep things new. And yeah, Loki seems to be the latest the latest in the line of interesting projects, and I'm really digging it so far. Yeah, there's just so much MCU content this year because of all the the backlog from last year. It's super exciting to be a Marvel yeah. fan. I mean, in, in the next, in like the back half of the year, we're getting, I want to say like four movies in the span of like five months. Yeah. And then uh, What If, I think, is coming out. What If, is, what if which I'm super excited about. That was one of the projects. I, I read that comic series growing up. Oh, okay. And yeah, like, I was never a Marvel yeah. comic guy, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was more of a DC comic guy, but that was, that was a series where... That was a series where I, I found it fascinating because I always that was just stuff I thought about. I was like, oh yeah, what if this, what if this did happen again? It came out and it was written. Then it was written. We found out what what would have happened. So, and I also I'm a big, I was talking about a big animation fan. I think the animation for it looks it looks like unlike anything I've seen before in yeah. the show or movie. So I'm I'm really I'm, I'm digging it. And I think it's also gonna have like Chadwick's last performance too. Right? That, yeah, that that is his last performance as Black Panther, and probably yes. in general. That's gonna that's gonna be super emotional, super emotional for sure. But yeah, digging Loki too, and just a couple of things that I wanted to mention that I've been watching. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the show uh, Chance. It's called Hacks. It's on. uh, I've heard yeah, the one with um, the one with a Gene Gene Smart. Gene Smart. Yeah, I've 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 heard of it. I've heard it's really great. I haven't gotten chance. She's she's having a hell of a summer on HBO Max because she was just in Mayor of Easttown as well. And she was great in that. And this is more of her show. It's about a um, female comedian that's been doing Vegas for decades. And she's kind of in a rut uh, creatively. So she brings in this um, young, like, female stand-up writer. And they're clashing. Basically late night. Essentially, yeah, <laughs> and it's funny too because like this, this, this young one was canceled for a tweet that she sent out, so she's frustrated with it. So it's it's very much of the time with <laughs> yeah, yeah, like funny. that's funny, like putting stuff out into the internet and like you say one bad thing and sometimes like your career is just put on hold for a long, long time, and it's just like a super funny show. Gene Smart is amazing. Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend this. It, the The whole season is out right now. I'm, I'm, I watched the first two episodes, and it's really, really good. Um, so definitely, um, anybody listening that loves Gene Smart, like she's been a character actress for so long that she's been, I, she's been on TV forever, and I've, I've really, I've always enjoyed Gene Smart. She pop up in anything, and she's never really been like a lead. So it's it's refreshing that now, I mean, you know, she's older, so but it's kind of like she's finally having her moment. Um, it's just a super well done show. And I wouldn't be surprised if this like gets a, um, some awards recognition next year. It's just a really, really good show. That's hacks on HBO max. And you brought up the sting chance. I watched a older movie for the first time, uh, this past week called high noon, which never saw high noon. Um, 1952, Gary Cooper, Gene, uh, Grace Kelly. Um, one of the ones again, like one on the uh, AFI list, top 100. I've been trying to crush these things because I like you, Chance. I'm, I f- actually follow you on Letterboxd. I'm a huge Letterboxd guy. 
I, like almost yeah. to the point of addiction. I don't know if you feel that way. Like it's like, yeah, it, 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 it took me a bit to get into it, but as soon as I did, I'm like, okay, yeah, this, this is it for me. It's just like, so it's satisfying when you log a movie and you're like, logged it. Don't have to do that again. Like just filling out the list. Cause there's so many lists on letterbox too, that you just want to like get to that 100%. It feels so gratifying, but, um, high noon. Uh, it's, I, I dug the movie. Um, what I really appreciated was it's like all in real time, which is incredible for this time in 1952. Like you, you see like it's, it's a 90 minute movie, super short, um, old school Western, but it it's funny because it's, it's takes place all in like an hour and a half, like the movie. And you can see in the background to where the clocks are super accurate to where, the time is in the movie compared to the time passing inside of the movie, which is super innovative. Um, and it's just funny because apparently, I don't know if you knew this chance, but John Wayne had a problem with, with this movie when it came out. Like it was just super, he thought it was super un-American, which <sighs> is, I don't really understand that criticism because I mean, it's like, it's super, um, masculine because gary cooper basically basically plays this sheriff who marries grace kelly's character and he's about and they're about to leave the the town but then this um criminal gets out of jail and he wants to kill um gary cooper's character so he goes back to the town and there's a whole conflict there it's just super um honestly i thought it was intriguing it, it for a 90 minute movie it's a little bit slow but um it's just crazy because then you know john wayne took such a hating to this movie he called this like communist and he went with like howard hawks and they made uh rio bravo in response to this movie which is another really good western um kind of on par with high noon though um but yeah definitely i watched it on amazon prime it's on there Really, really good stuff. Um, one that, if you're a Westerns person, uh, I know Roke has probably seen this a million times, but uh, definitely one of the cornerstone Westerns of uh, cinema. So that's High Noon. That's on Amazon Prime. But now we're going to get into our review of Luca, which is the latest Pixar movie, unfortunately, put right onto Disney+, Plus, um, which... That's a whole different conversation. But the way we do this on the show is we'll have a non-spoiler and a spoiler section. So if you guys haven't seen the movie yet, definitely go into the description and check out the timestamps I put in there every single week just to skip to um, the spoilers. If you just want to hear that, if you haven't seen it, uh, definitely stay for the non-spoiler and then stay till the end because we are doing a new game at the end. Uh, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. But um. Chance, you, you already said that you're a big animated guy, and I know that you've competed um, in some Pixar exhibition matches. So you you have a love for Pixar. So just just tell me your background with Pixar, what your favorite ones are, and what were your expectations going into uh, Luca this week? Um, I remember my first ever memories watching a movie. We're watching like the Pixar films. Um, I said it publicly a couple times, but like yeah, I, I when I was younger, I watched. Toy Story and Bugs Life so much that I used to wear out VHS tapes. Back in the and day of VHS tapes. Back yeah. In the, yeah, I used uh-huh. to wear out wear out the tapes so that my my parents, my family would have to keep buying them because I would keep watching them. Like like if you go to my grandma's house, 
It's like you'll find like it'll leave like five like five or six copies of each it's like scattered around the house. So yeah, Pixar is something I've always found I've always found fascinating. I've always found animation fascinating. I'm also a big art guy. Okay, and that's to me. That's just me. That's just that's, just, that's art that you can. That's, that's 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 moving art, and you can you can watch that when it's done well, it can be excellent. Like and, and Pixar's shown that the the first run of I want to say like six seven movies were all all phenomenal. Yeah, like they, they, they didn't have they, they didn't have they didn't have a real dad till Cars two came out. And I think recently they've kind of struggled with what their identity is because there was a period there to where it was just sequel after sequel after sequel and now they're starting to put out the the back to the original concept movies yeah i mean but again like there's some of their sequels that are actually actually quite good like, like oh any yeah toy story like any all the toy stories i think are excellent yeah uh uh gribbles 2 gribbles 2 is good i'm a bigger fan of finding dory than most i'm not saying it's like excellent or anything it's nowhere near the quality of the first email but i do i do enjoy that film cars can take a hike um but uh some of my favorites yeah the toy stories i love wally i think oh, that yeah. is one of the most beautiful animated films i've seen in the last 20 years i think that film is excellent incredible um what else? What else was my favorites? Uh, Wally, Finding Nemo. I've already said Coco. I uh, think is a Coco phenomenal is one. Like just Co- wow. Yeah. Uh, I think Soul. La- Soul last year was my favorite movie of twenty twenty. I think that film is maybe the most mature Pixar film. I think it tackles yeah. themes. It tackles themes that I've never seen Pixar. I've seen very few anime movies actually do. I'm like wow. Like and it's a thing that I watch and I. I always leave with something. I, I, love, I love something different each time I watch because I've seen it a couple times. But yeah, that movie I think is excellent. Absolutely deserved best animated feature, even though I really dug Wolf Walkers quite a bit. But yeah, and I think that when Pixar hits, they're nearly they're nearly unstoppable. Yeah, and that's funny you bring up Soul, that it's like the most mature of the the Pixar movies because I found that Luca was probably one of the most kid-friendly movies since the Cars franchise. Um, uh, I, I felt yeah. like, in a sense, because it's, it's a very basic plot. There's not much to it, um, which can be a good thing and a bad thing as well, because, I mean, we, we are, what, 25 years into Pixar, probably more than that, close to 30. Well, about, about, about 26, but yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's... We, we have certain expectations for these movies now because, I mean, we've both grown up on these movies. We expect a certain kind of Pixar movie. Um, so with, with Luca, I mean, it's it's a gorgeous movie, right? Like, it's... The it, movie looks fantastic. Which is crazy because when I was reading, most of this was uh, animated in the quarantine. So, I mean, these these animators are working from home and still putting out this kind of work um it's just incredibly um impressive because it's, it's actually it actually even said it in the in the end credits where it was like uh done by pixar and us and our slippers around the bay area yeah it's it's just like i mean the the dedication that the and that's what kind of sucks is you know these people put in so many hours and i can understand their frustration to where the last two pixar movies have just been put up on disney plus without yeah. any kind of paywall like with Raya and the Last Dragon you had to pay the $30 to watch it or go into the theater um so i can definitely see why they would be slighted by that because the everything it's just so vibrant 
on the screen. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, I wasn't exactly enthralled by this movie. I really wish I could have seen it on the big screen, although I didn't have much of a problem with that with Soul because Soul, I related more to it because, again, like um, that is the most I, I can't believe that Pixar would make that kind of movie. It's just not at all, you know, made for uh, kids to buy toys of or anything like that. Like this is a an adult animated film, and I thought it just knocked it out of the park. So with Luca, um, I was let down to be honest with you. Um, I didn't connect with this movie as much. I wasn't as emotionally uh, attached to this movie. Um, Chance, what what did you think about it? Just overall thoughts. Um, what what did you, what did you feel about it? I really I actually really enjoyed it. I think that I don't think it's top tier Pixar. Like like so like so I think it's top tier Pixar. Uh, I think this is like upper mid tier. I think this deserves to be in the conversation. Like if we're doing a Pixar, it's probably somewhere around like the the high teens. Not I'm sorry. Uh, well, low teens, I guess. We're going from from uh, twenty from twenty to one. Yeah, or whatever. But yeah, no, I do think that uh, I think that it gets a lot of points for me for the animation. Like, I think this is some of the best background work I've seen in any Pixar film. I think mm-hmm. that this, I think this is right up there. It's up there with Soul. It's up there with Coco. As far as I think, like that's a constant with their more recent film. I think the background work is getting consistently stronger, which is which is which is important. Which is important for animated films because yeah, you know, you want you want that tangibility. You want that. You know, you want to like the place, the setting to feel like a character. I think that that they do that here, like like Porto, Porto Rosa is, I think, uh, as as central to the as central um, as much of a character the plot as any of the actual main characters are. Um, I think the idea itself. I mean, I've we've seen stuff like this before because like it's like when I saw the when I saw it, especially like coming out and learning to you know walk up. It's very much Little Mermaid. That's, yeah, that's that's what that's what I thought of. It's like a combination of Little Mermaid and Finding Nemo, I would say. A little bit, yeah, but actually, no, yeah, that's very that, with, with the parents. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but yeah, uh, I do think that I'm not gonna put this up one of their best, but I do think it's a really, really solid entry as far as the Pixar canon goes. Yeah, and this is like it's kind of funny. It's a literal fish out of water story. Um, yeah. And I didn't, I'm not a trailers guy. So I I saw the poster and I was like, oh, okay. So is this kid like a a half fish, half human? And that's pretty much what he is. Um, But the thing is that I had a problem with, um, I'm I'm Italian, right? I'm Italian American. I don't come from the country. So the way that I see it was, first of all, it was kind of disappointing that there was no major Italians voicing the major characters. Um, and within the, the, the story itself, um, I was kind of confused because, you know, when they go onto the land and they go into the town, um, like the other kids have an Italian accent, but then the little girl that they meet doesn't. Um, so I didn't really get that. Um, it doesn't do enough with the culture. Like I was expecting, okay, I knew that this was being based in Italy. So I was kind of expecting, you know, the uh, tribute to the culture, like Coco, right? Coco is just phenomenal because it opens you up to Mexican traditions and just the, the beauty in that. And with this one, there was just 
kind of disappointing stereotypes that I found. Um, like there's certain phrases that don't exist, but they threw in like different cheeses into the, the Italian cheeses into the phrases and the, the race involved eating pasta. Like that's why I feel like it kind of was more of a kid's movie because kids would appreciate this kind of stuff. They would find these things funny, but as an adult, I'm like, well, you know, you could have done more with this. But I also um, think the, the whole difference with Coco is the fact that the setting's not again. It's kind of a contradiction, but I said, but like this. I mean, they, they as far as much as the, the setting is a character in this in this story, it's not the story. The story is not central to the setting. If that makes any sense, like this, like this could take place anywhere. Ex- yeah, that's that's one of my major problems with it too. It's like it's it's a good setting. It's a and it lends itself to the animation because the I, I will say like the the town itself is so beautifully animated and it's definitely um what you've seen in previous Italian films uh, the way that it's just so intimate in that sense. Um, you know, a lot of people have compared this to like Call Me by Your Name, uh, which was just fitting kind of. Kind of in in a sense, but uh, it doesn't it doesn't capture like what I would want from it doesn't capture the essence of like an Italian summer like that movie did. It's more of it's taking place in this town, and you know there there's a race that kind of involves um, the Italian way, the Italian uh, experience. But in the end, it's mostly just a setting. It's not. I, I personally, I just don't feel like it is a character chance. Um, I just well, felt I mean, like I mean, it's... in a way that it's like it's, it's a well-defined background. It, yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's 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 well put together. It's well designed, and you do you do feel like you know you know this town. Yeah, it, it's definitely familiar with other. Even though it's set in an Italian town, it's very reminiscent of other small towns that you would see in other animated films. I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, but I mean. You know, besides being disappointed that there weren't really any Italian representation in the main cast, like the villain, uh, the villain in this movie is actually an Italian uh, voice actor, I believe, which was nice. But you have like Jacob Tremblay in this movie. Um, Someone Italian? I don't think so. I don't think so. Jack Dylan Grazer, Emma Berman, Maya Rudolph, Jim Gaffigan. Those are basically like the top. Um, five characters in the movie and none of them like aren't known for their heritage. Uh, if they are, I don't, I don't think they are Italian, um, but they don't, it's not like Coco where most of that cast is straight up Mexican, Mexican American. So they can bring that realism to the voice acting. It, but it just, it didn't connect to me with me in that sense. But although I will say the voice acting is still good in this movie. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I just wish that it was treated as as with intimate detail as it was with like a film like Coco, which I'm just comparing it to Coco because, you know, it's a Pixar movie. It's another one. I can also compare it to something like Brave. Brave was uh, similar to that, where it, it did have voice actors that were uh, Scottish, Scottish. Um, and so I felt like in that sense, I wish that they put a little bit more attention to that detail into the film. Fair, but I don't think I think that when you look at the director who, who himself, I think is like genuine Italian. I think mm-hmm. that's where I think he wanted. I think like like you said, he wanted. He didn't intend this to be like a big like 
you know, cult, like culture thing. I think he wanted to make this, you know, like kind of like an introductory, like an introductory thing, like for kids. Like this is like it's not supposed to be taken like with that seriousness. And also, like it's not his focus. His focus on the movie clearly was the relationship between Luke and Alberto, which I do think is the heart of this film. I do think the two, those two characters, they're really well written. They have great chemistry. I think those two actors do a really great job. And yeah, it's. It's called by your name in that sense because of that bond between those two characters. Mm-hmm. And it's a, I, I did like the that that chemistry, like you said. It's really, really good between the two characters. I liked their little Avengers, and it was very funny. Like their dynamic was very, very oh, yeah. funny. Um uh, but the I think what can be a blessing and a curse with this movie is it's very um straightforward. I don't think there's much complexity to it as we've seen with other Pixar's um, it, the message is something that we've seen before, right? right. Be yourself, be confident in yourself. Um, don't worry about if you're accepted by other people, like just be yourself. And it's just like been there, done that for me. Um, I wish there was a little bit more to it, but what, what did you th- think about like the one thing like really stick out to you in that sense? Well, I think that I, I think like, boiling it down to just be yourself, I think is a little. I, I don't think that's quite. I think it's a little over oversimplification because it's it's okay. not it's not just that. I think that like Luca is someone who he's like in the movie he's unsure he's unsure of himself. It's kind of like it, it's it's, it's he's, he's unsure of himself. He's he's not sure where he's not sure where he's going. You know, someone who like kind of like kind of like Ariel. Remember, he's someone who yeah. wants something wants something more than what he what he's been given. And it's about him finding the courage to chase that. And I do, I do like the line at the end of the movie where, some, where someone says, "There, are, there, will, there will people, who, there will be people who won't accept him, but he will find people who do." Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's a really good way to convey this kind of message. In which, like, I mean, yeah, being different isn't being like you know, like I said, we've seen it, like be like be different or like the who's the real monster type of thing. But I think that this does it in a way in which. Why in which it does make its point? I do, and again, that one line really stuck out to me. I'm just like, damn, that's that's actually a really good way, really good way to phrase this. So, and I've actually read. I didn't pick up on this in the film, but there's an interpretation of this movie. I don't know if you did uh, pick up on this chance. Um, there's an interpretation of um, uh, an LGBTQ angle to it, to where I did actually, yeah. So Luca, you know, kind of like being in the closet, but which would be the ocean. And then he comes out and he's himself. Yeah. Um, I think that's one way to do it. Although I did read that the director didn't intend it that way. Um, so I I think that, I mean, I don't listen, I'm a straight white guy. So it didn't, that didn't come into my mind at all. It didn't even cross my mind. I was taking it for face value. Uh, but I definitely could appreciate the movie in that sense. If that was an interpretation that other people have, because I think it definitely lends itself to it. It makes a lot of sense when you piece it together. Um, do, do you feel like that's under, that's the underlying message of this at all? Even though the director says that wasn't his intent, do you see that interpretation working for this movie? I think, I think it could work. Yeah. Again, it's one that I'm like, Oh yeah, it makes sense. It's not necessarily my interpretation, but I, I do think that it could, like, yeah, if, if you could put that to it, it, it does make a lot of sense. And you do see that, uh, with the relationship between you know the the, the two main boys and how it's compl- how like it becomes you know more complicated when uh, the, the girl character Juliana into the picture, 
uh, I do think that you you could that you could definitely take that away. And I don't know if that was that was intentional or not. If it was, but either way, I do think that. Yeah, I mean, when I first heard about this movie, I thought like, oh, this is called, this is calling by your shape of water. <laughs> yeah, um, but I do think that you could easily put that interpretation to it. Yeah, I, I also heard uh, calamari by your name, which was a good one too. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, th- this is unfortunately for me. I I wish I enjoyed it more. Um, honestly, this isn't one that I'm gonna go back to. Honestly, it kind of falls into brave territory for me. Um, honestly, like I know people don't really like the good dinosaur. I kind of like the good dinosaur even better than this. Um, which is a hot take. I know, I know it's cause I, I had heard so many bad things about that movie and I could definitely see why people wouldn't like it because it's really dark. Um, it's got a twisted uh, sense of humor to it as well, but I kind of liked it for that purpose. Um, so this isn't one that I would revisit necessarily. And that's kind of disappointing too, because I didn't, I, I liked Ryan, the last dragon more. Um, but that's another one where it just didn't work for me. And I'm starting to question chance. It, it, would I be feeling different if I had seen this in the theater? Because I feel like, you know, especially animation these days. I mean, it's just so great. The attention to detail, the colors, it pops off of the screen and, you know, I have like a 55-inch TV in my house right now, but it's it's not the same. Experiencing it for the first time like I did with, um, I'm going to keep going back to it, like Coco. Like Coco, you saw everything. The scope of that movie on the big screen was just immersive. And I feel like maybe I would have felt that way with this movie because it's a smaller movie in a sense. But like you said before, the attention to detail, the background work is so elegant in this movie. Um, I kind of wish that I had seen this in the theater. Yeah. I mean, I, again, both this and solo movies, I, I would have seen day one in a theater if they were available. Um, but yeah, and I do think that you, you see that problem with a lot of streaming movies and most, most, most with like this, most things HBO Max, like I got, Godzilla vs. King Kong especially have this problem oh, God. in which yeah. they play much better on the big screen. Yeah. Then they do at home. That's another one I saw at home, but I'm not a big Godzilla fan. So it was like, it was fine to me. It still had the same problems as the other Godzilla movies. So that, but yeah, I, I, I but at the same time, like I'm thankful that, you know, the movie theater experience is back up and running because, right. you know, we're seeing movies, unfortunately. You and know, I, I think that like, had they known we were going to be in this state, because this was announced like a while, while back. Yeah, and I think had they known the state we'd been in, we'd be in right now, they never would have pulled this from theaters. I don't think so either, because at, at the same time, too, you know, with Black Widow, at least there's going to be a movie theater option there, but that's also going to be another one that's going to be available on Disney Plus. And right. you have to wonder, especially um, with that one, like what the box office business is going to be because well, something else that I take to account with that one is like international markets are doing really well right now. So, yeah. And that's a big saving grace for Marvel. So I, I get it. That's a, that's a big um, money-making pit for Marvel. So I do think that black widow regardless is going to do very well. Yeah. And even that, even people who don't want to see it, like that's one that cause like people like, went back and forth on whether or not they wanted to do it for anything else. Black widows one that people pay for that. Even thinking about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely going to be there. I've been going every week for the past three, four weeks, and it's been incredible. Um, and I would wonder, like, how this movie would do, though. Like, would it be something like A Good Dinosaur, where it kind of makes a little bit of money, but doesn't justify the uh, quality of it? Like, it just makes maybe, let's say, $20 million, which would be a disappointment. Or would it be like um, A Coco, which is probably you know, 60, I don't, I don't remember exactly what it did, but it did a really good opening weekend. Um, so maybe it's one of those things where Disney just didn't, f- maybe they weren't even confident in this movie making money that they were like, you know what, maybe it's just better to get the Disney plus signups. If, you know, for whatever reason, these families aren't already signed up, um, would the cost the of just putting it up there outweigh releasing it into theaters and then it just doesn't make the kind of money that they would want it's possible it's definitely possible but i do think that i, I don't know why they have more faith in like in, in this when pixar's consistently made money for them i don't know why this would give them pause to have this or so would give them more reason to have pause than something like you know a mulan which historically didn't make very much money for them no. on any, but that was a clue that was exclusively on, on plus or something like I mean, Corel is doing well, but I think this, this still would have done better just because of the Pixar name. Because like that, that's the name people recognize. Yeah. So I think this would this would have made, this would have done this would have made money. This definitely would have made money for sure. So, Chance, I mean, it seems like you liked the movie much more than I did, which is unfortunate because like this is I feel so bad because I didn't really care for Cruella either. I did like that a little bit more than this one, um, but it's just like I feel like Disney just for me. Disney is just in a funk right now creatively for their movies like television. They're knocking it out of the park, right? Like we talked about Loki, all the Marvel shows. I gushed about the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, which is phenomenal. Um, I just feel like there's some there's a disconnect right now um, where they're just in a rut creatively. Um, Besides Soul, I I can't really say that I've enjoyed a lot of the regular Disney live actions or the Disney animations to where I I can say like, yeah, I'm definitely going to, this is, it's not like a toy story where I'm going to rewatch these movies 20, 30 times right now. Um, But uh, you enjoyed it and um, you're a Pixar guy. And I know because with with the schmo down, this is something that you're probably going to revisit a lot of times too, if it ever comes up, right? Probably. So um, that's the non-spoiler section. Uh, we're going to get into spoilers. Although, I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of spoilers to talk about here, Chance. Like, I mean, I do want to talk about some of the stuff with uh, Luke and Alberto, like as their, their relationship, their relationship, sure. and just the, Go the for plot it. of the movie. Because, like the like the biggest gut punch of the movie for me, at least, was when I Alberto showed that he's a sea monster. And then Luke he just straight turns it back on, like, oh yeah, that was kind of brutal. That was that was that was absolutely brutal, because like Alberto was the dude who, like, he's the one that opened Luke up to the world. He's the one to show them like, hey, you know, the service world is fun, it's great. Like they have the relationship was so strong. And like, like I talked about how it got complicated when uh, Julia entered the picture because you know, like she, he felt like he was stealing Luke away. And like mm-hmm. he like talk about how Luca wanted to go to school, and that's when he like revealed himself. And then like he like sea monster, and Luca just like and he's like going like, on Luca's show, and Luca just says like points him and says sea monster, and it's like oh sh-. like damn that's that, that, that that's brutal and that's cold. Like you 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 felt that one, 
just because like oh they're like, God, like yeah. they're just about the crux of the entire film and just to see him just like turn like just just turn his back on alberto like that, that it was hard it was really hard but and I, and i did like that scene after when she goes when he goes back to see him in the tower like when he runs away and he goes back to see him in the tower <laughs> like the that whole conversation i think like again like everything with luke and alberto i absolutely yeah, um, that that relationship was so well fleshed out. Like you totally exactly. believe their friendship. Uh, I will say that the the girl character of uh, Julia, I think her name was. I thought she was um, funny. She was funny. I don't know if she was entirely necessary though, especially towards the end. It's like because Luca just races on his own anyway. So uh, I mean, she kind of familiarizes. Well, I mean, it's the... it, 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 she's there to like kind of like like get familiar with the setting. She's kind of like their gatekeeper, like they're ready to get in the setting, and also for the ending, in which Luca they let Luca leave and they let him go to school, and like it's it's hard seeing him leave his parents. Biggest like you know biggest like the picture of Tudor came when like he says goodbye to Alberto because he decided yeah. to stay behind, and it's just like it's. Like that one is really powerful. I don't know. I mentioned the score. The score for this movie is fantastic. Uh, Which is funny wanted, because they, they wanted anyone to come yes. to do it. I was gonna say I, I read that. Yeah, he, they wanted they wanted him to do it. He passed away before that could happen. <sighs> Which that sucks was... because I would have loved this. I would have loved seeing any I got the guy who scored the thing score this. Oh my god! And you know the classic westerns, the good and bad and the ugly. Like, come on, that's been the ugly legend. Play, like, Dude, dude was dude was dude stellar. I would love to see what what he would have done here, but I think the guy that they, the guy they got instead, I don't remember his name because he's a dude. He's like a newer composer, and it's not someone I recognize. But he, I thought he did a fantastic job, and I love his orchestrations during like the swimming stand, like the swimming scene, like Luke is finding his, you know, when Luke is, you know, Belcher just swimming about, and like the this the whole crescendo at the end mm-hmm. when they say goodbye, when like he says bye, I thought that was I thought that was immensely powerful. And yeah, I, I I really I I was shocked they went that route, but I think that it was the perfect like place to lead this movie. What did you think about the relationship between Luca and his parents? Because I you see, see, I thought what they were going to do. I thought there was going to be a reason that she didn't want him to go to the service. We're going to find right. out that I thought we we're going to find out that like you know something happened to right. somebody to some one member member of their family. They never got. They never established. They never established that. They never show like what what that was. So I thought, I'm like, okay, that's a little little strange, but whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought that I I I what I thought there were gonna be reasons that, which is why I'm like, okay, that that fell a bit flat. But I still think that relationship with his parents. It was it's all classic like, oh, oh, protective mother and father story. Well, mother especially the father. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't care less. Yeah. Which which I which I like that because I, I I like Jim Gavin. I, I think he's funny. Um, but it's, yeah, I think that him and his parent, like him and his parents, uh, the relationship I think could have been they they kind of like sacrificed that to, to have Luca on his own adventure. For the bulk of the movie yeah it, it was undercooked um that's why you know i was especially in the beginning where you start out in the water and you don't really get a sense of what is actually going on like with finding nemo right like you you get a sense of like all right the school well, and no, like they very of... much, they, like in the first like 10 minutes they established the motivation of everybody they established like you know why marlon's so protective because, exactly because he lost his wife and entire family to a barracuda they established like that's why he's so protective of Nemo. That's why he doesn't trust anyone outside outside the anemone. They established like why he has such a hard time letting Nemo go to school because yeah. that's all that's all he has. 
And I thought I thought they were going to do that with you know, like say like her brother or something, or they like they have like, they had another kid who yeah. went went and ventured out and got skewered. Uh, so yeah, I do I do wish that was an element that did introduce that that would have brought a lot more you know a lot more punch to it. Yeah, and plus that plus that a little bit more. But I think as it stands right now, it's fine. It's, it's like it's like a classic you know like a protective mother story. Yeah. Do Do you know who voiced uh, that uncle in that scene? Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> so good. And I was like, he was, he was so funny. That was like one of the funniest scenes I would say in the whole movie. I was dying, yeah. which, which is why like I love the brought back the, the, the post credit scene. Yeah, it was it was. I th- that's like one thing that I kind of wish they would have found a way to get him to the surface. Um, just to see, just see what he would have looked like. Ex- yes, because like he he you could see him on, underwater. You could see his inside. So I was like, well, what yeah, would like, that he, look he, like? He, yeah, because he's based on an anglerfish. Yeah, and so like when he comes to Sarah, like well, yeah, what, what can you do to his game? What does he look like? I really I really like that whole scene where they were like, yeah, we're sending you off with your uncle, and then Sasha Baron Cohen's just turning it up to like two hundred. It was phenomenal. Yeah, like he, he's he's unrec- he's he's nearly unrecognizable. There are a few like verbal ticks he had, where like, oh, that is Sasha. But like, yeah, like, and if I didn't hear those, I didn't see the credits, I would never know that was Sasha Baron Cohen. I don't, I was like, why does this sound familiar? And then I started piecing it together because actually, um, in Sweeney Todd, he's in that movie and he has an Italian accent. Oh, so yeah, that's right. it, it was similar. So I was like, oh, and I had to look it up real quick because, you know, if you're home, you can pull up IMDb real quick. Yeah. Like in the theater, you're, you'd be an asshole for pulling out your phone. Um, so I I felt like Sasha Baron Cohen as we lost chance. Uh, hopefully he comes back. <laughs> I'm just going to stall for time. And here he is. He's back. That was so I don't know what happened. <laughs> my, my, my browser just like shut off. It's all good. I just killed. I, I did a great, great job stalling. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love, I loved his character, and you know, I just felt like the parents, like, like you said, it was undercooked. It, they didn't even like do a lot with Luca on the surface either. It was just like they were running around the town trying to find him. But that begs the question: like, why would you want to expose your kid as a sea monster? Like, because they kept dunking all these kids in the water. Well, they weren't trying. They weren't. There wasn't this goal. That wasn't necessarily to expose him. It was try to try and trying like, to find him. That because like they don't. I I because I have thought about that. I was like, oh, you can go and down had that town. They wouldn't know what you look like because they've only seen you as a sea monster. And that and that was the whole crux of it because like they they don't recognize him. Right. So they had. They, so that's the old. That was going to be the only way for them to figure out it was their kid and, and what they were what they were counting on. At least this is what I'm putting to it. What they were counting on is once the town saw him for what he really was, they yeah. turn on him and that would be like, okay, yeah, you don't forget the service world. I'm just going to stay down here. I think it would have kind of been interesting if the parents found him and were the ones who, which would be the irony, right? Like they didn't want him to be exposed on the surface, but then when they find him, then they, they're the ones who expose him and then they have to deal with that. But I think that would have been maybe a little, a little too yeah, heavy for this. But movie. Again, I, I, I think, I think the way that it, I think the way that it happens with uh, you know Alberto doing it. I think I think that's he it's emotionally harder because Luke is making that choice. Yeah. And it's it's him making that choice to just like forget who he is and just betray the closest friends he's ever had in order to in order to pursue something else. Yeah, and the ending was a little bit rushed for me. I definitely understood what they were doing with it, but it was like I I, I got it. Right, but this this is actually like a super short movie too. Like this, it's surprising. I think it's like the shortest since 
the first Toy Story. It's not I special think at all. so. Because I, I was looking, and you know, again, because it's on Disney Plus, you can see how much time is left. And it wrapped up, and there was like 13 minutes left. And I guess this is a Disney Plus thing where there's like three or four minutes at, at the end of it where it's just a black screen and going through all different names for oh, yeah, they they include like the, the credits for like dubs and stuff. Yeah. So I was kind of disappointed in that. I think this could have, you know, a lot of times I feel like movies are way too long. I feel like this movie could have went like another 10, 15 minutes. I, I would have been out for like another a couple minutes in this movie. Because I just felt like the, the big thing with me was I mean, it's just it's a simple plot. That's one of my problems with that was I wish it was a little bit more complex in the plot wise. But I think the major thing was I just didn't really get a sense of the um, the the relationship with the parents. I wish it was a little bit more fleshed out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still like listen, I didn't particularly like the movie. I'm in the minority because I mean, it's got like a 90 percent of Rotten Tomatoes, something like that. So um i it just it just wasn't for me chance I, I know that you liked it and um it's just it's it's lower tier for me it's like cars yeah, I've, 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 seen, I've seen lower tier pixar this is nowhere near lower tier pixar it's it, again like uh, you're you're a pixar guy so i i leave it up to you i'm just i'm just like a, a dumb idiot so it's not high, it's not high <laughs> tier but this is like i want to say like upper upper mid tier yeah it's it's i i think you know i i think I'm in the minority, so I would still recommend it. It's definitely it's it's up there. It's on Disney Plus, so it's definitely something that you put your kids in front of the TV and they'll have a good time with it. I was just disappointed with the the direct the overall direction of the movie, honestly. Um, which maybe this is one of the few situations to where if I saw a trailer, I would have um, expected something different from the movie that would have changed my mind, my opinion on on the film, but. For me, it just it it didn't do it for me. Um. So yeah, guys, that that's that wraps it up for the review. But what I came up with, so you know, I was I was listening back to some of the episodes, and I'm like, you know what, something's missing here. And ironically enough, uh, for the first episode uh, of doing this game, we have a movie trivia schmodown player who is very familiar with a speed round. Uh, thankfully, uh, there's there's no actual trivia in this. It's basic movie questions. Uh, it's going to be 60 seconds chance. Um, just a range of uh, movie experiences, uh, this or that. Um, it, just a little fun little game to end the show. So whenever you're ready, you let me know. All right, let's go. All right. And the time starts now. Favorite movie snack? Popcorn. Star Wars or Marvel? Star Wars. James Bond or Mission Impossible? Mission Impossible. Favorite movie drink? Jerry Coke. If you could see one movie for the first time again, what would it be? Oh. Uh, Star Wars New Hope but in a theater. Comedies or dramas? Drama. Seat in the front, middle, or back of the theater? Middle. Physical media or digital movies? Physical. Lights on or off when watching movies at home? Huge. Depends on what movie, but usually off. Scarlett Johansson or Emma Stone? Scarlett Johansson. Jim Carrey or Adam Sandler? Jim Carrey. 
Batman or Superman? Batman. Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Harry Potter. DiCaprio or Pitt? Pitt. Do you, uh, time is up. Wow. Look, look at the experience and the speed round, Chance. You crushed it. Yeah. Crushed it. So I, I just want to thank you again, Chance, for being on the show. And please uh, take your time. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you, what you got going on. Let everybody know. Yeah, Twitter is going to chance was underscore 91. Check out Taurus by Chance, wherever podcasts are found. Like I said, the, our next one, our last, our real reason episode is up right now. Uh, like I said, goes off Fast and Furious, wherever podcasts are found. Uh, next week, we're doing Jurassic Park. Going to have a great guest for that one. Um, and yeah, find me, uh, the Twitter podcast on YouTube and the Shmoda. My match with Lon Harris dropped yesterday. So, if you which will be it, technically last Friday or last Friday. <laughs> yeah. Depending with the publishers, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, uh, that's where you can find me. Well, I appreciate it, Chance. Thank you for coming on, and just some plugs for the show. Um, we, uh, I made the decision. Uh, the YouTube premieres on Tuesday nights are going to be permanent going forward, so this uh, video will premiere on Tuesday night at eight o'clock Eastern time. Chances on the West Coast, so that is five o'clock Pacific. Um, you can check the podcast out on all major streaming pa- platforms, Apple, Spotify. Um, I'm also on Anchor. There, there's our, our distributor for the show. Uh, Twitter, at PickPerfectCast. Next week, big show on the horizon. I, I uh, announced this earlier um, uh, in the first episode, I believe, of the, the relaunch. JTE, Josh Tapia, is coming on the show uh for fast fast nine next week along with my buddy brandon freeman he's going to be on the show i've got some major major guests booked for july um chance i just want to thank you again for coming on the show and um anytime you want to come back uh you let me know thank you it was a good time yes yeah all right guys thank you for listening and we'll see you next week